Hello there. Welcome to the BJ Psych International Podcast. My name is Sachin. Burnout is an occupational phenomenon which is characterized by depersonalization, emotional exhaustion, and a feeling of decreased personal achievements that together can cause a decline in professional efficacy. Do you think that's something you've ever experienced at work? The article that we're discussing today starts by detailing that psychiatrists have been found to be at risk of substance misuse, depression, suicide, and dysfunctional behaviour more than other medical professionals. So it stands to reason that psychiatrists may be more vulnerable to burnout. Indeed, in a study of psychiatry residents during the COVID-19 pandemic, burnout symptoms were found in around a quarter of the residents. The author of the article, Staying Sane in Psychiatric Residency During COVID Times, is Miriam Ayub, who at the time was a postgraduate psychiatry resident at the Academic Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at King Edward Medical University, Lahore, Pakistan. She details her personal story of burnout during the COVID-19 pandemic, what led to it, what helped her get through it, and the continual process of avoiding burnout in the future. It's a personal account that touches on some sensitive subjects, so we thank Miriam for sharing. In this episode, she will join us to discuss her experiences living and working through the COVID-19 pandemic in Lahore, Pakistan, as a psychiatry resident. Typically, in an episode of this podcast, me and my co-host would discuss the interview afterwards, but as this is such a personal account, I am going to let the interview speak for itself. So without any further ado... We take you to the interview. Hi, I am Dr. Maria Mayhew. I just completed my post-graduation in psychiatry. And now I'm just, you know, in the process of giving multiple exams. Uh, the lovely exam life. And uh, <laughs> hopefully that's not too stressful. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Where <laughs> is it that you've been training? I train in Pakistan in a public institution in Lahore. And so you were training in Lahore during the COVID pandemic, is that right? Uh, yes. My second year had just started in February 2020. So it was right there. Thrown right into the fire with the training yes. during the COVID pandemic. So this is actually quite interesting to me because during the height of the initial COVID wave, I wasn't working at all. So I don't actually know what the work conditions were like, especially in psychiatric settings. So would you like to just explain to me, in terms of living in Pakistan, what happened in terms of lockdown, in terms of government reaction when COVID started hitting? I think it was in February. Everyone was realizing that if something is coming and it's here, you know, in Asia too, because the Europe's a bit of precautions. And we had some, you know, initial lectures, some of my families in public health. So we knew that something was coming. But I think it was in March. And when the first lockdown happened for a couple of weeks, first lockdown was not that bad, but it kept happening. And then the lockdowns get stricter and stricter. And a couple of my family members were abroad, so they couldn't come back. They were not allowed to come back because all the flights were being blocked. And uh, in our hospital, I worked in new hospital in Lahore. 
that was basically the covid center of the whole city so it was quite a big city and our hospital became the covid lockdown center so initially all the patients which were diagnosed with covid had to be brought there so there were special wards some mm-hmm. of our wards in patients were turned into covid wards and uh, we went to hybrid setup first and then we just completely switched to telemedicine even though there was a person on call who would see an occasional patient who would come because you know in psychiatry there is a lot of follow up patient mm. and sometimes they don't fully understand implications of covid and about lockdown so they were very used to just coming there so even though we had prominently displayed our psychiatry counter occasionally they would still come so it was just a lot <laughs> So the setup where you work is that the psychiatry and medical facilities are combined in a single hospital? Oh uh, yes. Okay. It's a tertiary care it with medical college so there are a lot of departments and actually there's a big hospital and some fewer smaller hospitals also attached. And so the patients you were still seeing would be the ones who couldn't adapt to a telemedicine approach. Yes. I see. We had Skype and WhatsApp both available for our uh, telemedicine counter because in Pakistan many people don't use Skype yet especially people who don't have laptop but WhatsApp is something which is easily available to anyone with smartphone. Mm. So at least that's what people in Pakistan think even though Skype app is also available but people were comfortable with WhatsApp instead of other platforms. So what was that like in terms of switching to telemedicine basically you're no longer seeing patients face to face it was very difficult honestly because uh, in western countries telemedicine was already a thing especially in private settings or something like that but in our very public hospital i had never practiced telemedicine and uh, with psychiatry you know we have to take information from the patient and we have to take information from the informant and uh, you know sometimes a mental state in manic patient or psychotic patient they don't even say anything which we have but we have to observe them so that was very difficult to do in telemedicine setup like we could hear the complaints of the relative that this person may be manic but people were calling from far flung areas it was very difficult to do proper mental state examinations and you know just connect with patient because in psychiatry especially you know when they are manic or psychotic i feel you have to be present especially mm. you know when you have just one year of training so it was very difficult to find the connection with the patient and because the duties were different days we were doing different duties so we tell the patient okay come back on this day and i will be here to see you and sometimes in covid the patient would come and there would be another person there you know they would call and there would be another person there okay so there's a lack of continuity of care there yes that was a big thing because in covid there was lockdowns people kept getting sick obviously 
and a lot of our colleagues went sick even though we were using the whole 3m masks all the masks but uh, yeah continuity was a care was a big problem rapport building was a big problem mm. and uh, the treatment honestly we had to devise a method because some of the psychiatric substances are controlled and patients you know some of them obviously we could not write prescription for injections at the start till we found out a way to maybe the patient could take prescription to a local hospital mm. and then you we had to devise a method for prescription benzodiazepines so that was also a big thing honestly we adjusted the first month was very confusing and in second month we made some improvements and you know it kept getting better so it limited your ability to assess but also your ability to manage effectively yes and i see here that some of the lack of continuity also played into you not being able to follow patients up and thus you're not seeing them get better yes honestly that was a big thing i felt and i didn't realize it i was feeling it until a couple months later or 3 months and i was realized you know when we see the patients get better we feel like okay we have helped we have created a difference and we were doing so many duty and those patients were obviously getting better many of them but we were not able to follow the same patient so i think it was maybe months in which i couldn't have follow up with any patient because the duties kept changing i think 3 months down the line we asked our seniors okay we have to have particular days even with telemedicine when the lockdown lifted because sometimes there were city wide lockdowns and there was no intercity travel so if some of our colleagues went out they couldn't come back mm. there were confusions like that so then we had to have you know the specific days in which we could follow the specific patient why were duties changing is this due to staff being ill and being absent were you having to cover for different departments honestly in our psychiatry we had limited staff and i know of at least one or two persons who had resigned because their family said okay you shouldn't work in a covid center so that also happened and at first 2 3 months basically they were due to lockdowns and people kept getting sick but i think 3 months down the line we actively had medical duties too the medical icu and specially covid units because there were too many patients and not enough medical doctors available so yes there were all two or three parts people did kept getting sick but there was also every month or every couple of weeks a new roster would come from the hospital that we are transferring these two persons to the medicine unit so first they were you know like a medical officer or non training doctors so 3 to 4 months down the line they transferred psychiatric trainees to the medical units is that yes. right yes 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 so you i suppose were also having to cover these covid intensive care units yes uh, we were after i did not end up getting covered the intensive unit i covered the ward also i did the emergency in which there was you know covid patients would come in there was a different emergency mm. and daily in which the covid patients would come if they have similar symptoms if the saturation was dropping or if they had you know just breathing problems they would be referred to a covid emergency 
unless they were not covid then they would get referred back to the normal part of the hospital so i did my duties in wards covid wards and covid emergency a couple i did in the icu but thankfully i didn't have to do much but my friend my colleague in psychiatry department she did get icu duties and it was very tough i mean you said you did a few shifts in there but was it something you were concerned about doing uh, yes i was basically we do have 3 months of medicine rotation in our psychiatry training but mostly you don't see as serious patient but uh, in covid because we had only trained for you know psychological part of the covid and psychological first aid and anxiety and ocd related to covid and even the post psychotic symptoms with covid but we had not actually done any preparations for dealing when a patient is unable to breathe mm. and when we were sent to covid wards and covid icus if we didn't have any senior with us any medical specialty doctor it could become really bad for the patient and for us you described that the thought of causing someone's death because of lack of adequate supervision was horrifying to you yes it was it still is you know the stock is making me remember on how i was feeling that was the major part we had some ppe available and i honestly i was wearing mask i was very particular about my mask because i didn't want to bring it to my family i learned enough about covid you know about the symptoms it was causing but covid was such a complicated disease it didn't affect only lungs it could affect the heart it could cause later strokes i saw in my medical duty i saw kidney injuries and even though i had read through and i was going through the medical guidelines i knew i could not manage a patient if it was just up to me i needed supervision and i needed you know mm. a senior with me yeah and obviously you were very early in your training and obviously new into psychiatric training so it's a completely different skill set yes. to be thrown into but you do mention the impact on your family you were living with your 80 year old grandmother at the time right yes i was living with my grandmother and my mother and my sister was in another country in a lockdown they had went for 3 days and then they had to live there for 6 months so that was very difficult also but my grandmother was diabetic and hypertensive and a few years ago she had went through some serious illness that was very stressful there was no vaccines yet and uh, i was very concerned about her we were you know just keeping her at home obviously she didn't need to go out and do anything but mm. i was very stressed because my mother uh, was in teaching side so i was very concerned that if an illness comes there's most chances that i can be the one bringing it because i was working with covid patients i was getting exposed to the most amount of covid i had in city because that was my literally my workplace my city's covid center was my workplace so mm. obviously i was just going there every day And so it would be expected, you know, not that it's much comfort, but that you protect yourself at work. 
And you mentioned, you know, being particular about your mask and so on. But what was the availability of PPE where you worked? Honestly, it was not much. We were given surgical masks. And because there were a lot of doctors, the surgical masks would be given. But I think I don't remember with the timeline. But, you know, when WHO uh, issued the guidelines that uh, surgical masks were not enough. Mm. And you would need N95 and the mask like that. Mm. And the hospitals were able to secure it somehow. I don't know if it was aid or, or bought some. But in the very start, they were only given to ICU people. Even though we were also working in the same hospital, even, mm. even at that time, not in medical ward. And then they got some N95 and some masks. But I remember buying my own and it took me about one month when they became available because uh, I was honestly more concerned and I would wear a 95 mask and then a surgical mask on top of that. And, you know, I remember all following the changing guidelines. So they would say that uh, put your mask in a paper bag and then five days later you can reuse it when mm. there was a mask shortage. So I had bought like five different masks and uh, I would cycle through them. Yeah. So that I remember that was, uh, I think that was a good thing about COVID that all the doctors around the world were being really helpful to each other. Like the ICU guidelines came and the psychological guidelines were coming, sharing information. Mm. We would retry, we would keep you up to date on internet every day because every day there would be a new thing am i right that you're mentioning also that all this covid research that was springing up might have been a stressor as well <laughs> yeah so basically that was the medical part happening that we had to see the patients but a lot of part of covid at the time was psychological the fear which was happening in the people and medical colleagues like i told you that few of the people resigned and uh, basically so we had to give special seminar there were two parts one was psychological first aid mm. which we were giving to common people and training our colleagues in other centers and then there was you know anxiety coping and how to cope with the burnout they were also obviously very very overworked so this was something additional we had to do and uh, after our work day, we would have to make presentations and we would have to work on these sometimes in our own time. So we can have the seminar apart from our usual duty. It would be mostly online because obviously there was social distancing, mm. but uh, a lot of it was happening. And there was research also because there was a lot of guidelines coming about the medicines every day you know no one would know what medicine to use and because our hospital was the covid center there was a lot of research going on about how to you know help them locally mm -hmm. about any medicines which may help about psychological research what are covid patients going through so that was something additional and again you know as a second year resident you don't know much about research you are just getting a bit of know-how you have just attended few general clubs maybe presented and you don't actually know sometimes how to do it 
and you know about seminars and uh, psychological first aid there was just a lot of information mm. apart from you know learning about covid every day okay this is today maybe this medicine is going to help and like we first found out that because we we were all going through it the covid yeah. causes anxiety and even before covid just the lockdowns and everything social distancing and just the fear of the disease but we were keep saying that it would cause ocd and then i think 3 4 months down the line we started seeing psychosis and mania in patients who have had covid in mm. last one or two months so post covid neuropsychological sequelae included psychiatric symptoms also mm. so everyone was saying okay we should do research on this we should do research on this and uh, we should do seminar on this we should tell people about this and we just didn't have enough people that was it we just didn't have enough people to do everything so same five or 10 people were doing so much it sounds like a lot of information to take on all at once and stuff that pertains to what you're going through as well and then yeah. just the sort of addition of extra work on top of an already stretched workforce and i think you know you note there was a slight paradox of being tasked with teaching about psychological first aid helping your medical colleagues with what they were going through while you and your psychiatric colleagues were going through it yourselves yeah it was honestly uh, difficult basically i was just a second year resident and we had like a couple senior residents and i think there were like four or five juniors including two who had joined at the start of covid february or march and we had to guide them too but we were just second year mm. i needed supervision at that time and i had to do things and i had to teach my juniors how to go about the things because they were obviously like you know 3 months in 4 months in mm. so that was very really difficult i right now when i see my second year colleagues because you know uh, second year is just like you know toddler yeah like first year is like a newborn and second year <laughs> is just toddler sometime i think you know they think they know something but seniors know they mostly don't know the administration and how things really work yeah and second year is the time you learn on how to go about doing it and our second year was so vastly different from first year that all the lessons we had learned they were not applicable there so it was just a whole new situation for us too did you feel supported uh <laughs> i felt supported by some people i felt supported by some seniors but overall i did not feel supported by my institution and uh, i did not sometimes feel supported by department administration because individual support is very different from an institutional support people and individual my colleagues and seniors we were being there for each other and we would have you know like a you could just call it talking but they were like group catharsis and group therapy sometimes we would call that 
that everyone would share their experiences mm. but at the end we, they, we were just helping each other out coping with it but we were not able to change anything like rosters or any stress or you know any sort of uh, repayment anything mm. or even you know the ppe when it was short so as colleagues i mentioned in the article there was a one colleague who's now a dear friend we were there for each other a lot because we were both second year and we could understand the stress and we tried to be there for our juniors and some of our seniors registrar the senior registrar and our professor they were there but they were uh, you can do this to relax you can do this to cope mm. but as that institutional level you know we were not recognized that we could be going through so much stress too so that was difficult this is all dancing around basically what impact it had on you and essentially we reach a point yes. where you're dealing with all this where you consider that you're actually going through burnout and i'll just quickly read the icd 11 dimensions of burnout which is basically a occupational condition let's say it's not an illness as such but it's an occupational condition in which you experience feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion increased mental distance from your job or feelings of negativity or cynicism related to your job and a sense of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment when did you realize that that's what was happening to you building up for a while but i think it was about june or july and i remember that the meeting it was just you know okay we have to do this for our medical colleagues and this and this and i was like what are we going to change and i felt like i couldn't change anything and as a someone who had really joined psychiatry against people telling her not to join it and i still joined it because i felt i would be really good there and i i really liked it and i remember i was like okay this is not me mm. because i didn't want to just talk with the colleagues who i loved some of them and and i was like okay because this meeting is not going to solve anything and it's not going to give anyone any benefit and i think right next to the meeting room was the office in which i went and i took the paper and i think there was couple of paragraphs of my resignation which were in my mind by the time i had walked in the door and took the paper i was going to write it at that moment but i was like okay i can just think of the whole resignation in my mind mm. and maybe then go through with it and i folded the paper and i put it in my bag and i felt so much relief i was like i can still help people outside the job and that would be okay and i realized that it was not covid or you know doing extra work i was not feeling any satisfaction with my job and i was like there is no purpose of life Mm. because you know some first or second year residents the job is sometimes the purpose and uh, 
obviously that's not healthy either and i have realized that okay i can go through with it and i think i went to the meeting anyway and we did you know plan a, another seminar or another workshop i don't remember but i did go to the meeting i went 5 10 minutes late but i was so much calm because i realized that okay i am not going through depression or this and the, or that it is just the job and how mm. i was administration it was just so much frustration at the administration mostly why are they not recognizing that the doctors are going through this because there was honestly like some countries i think our government rather also announced some special allowances for covid later but it was only for icu mm. and i had spent a large part of my money honestly on the mask on the n95 they would cost a lot at that time and uh, i was going through the special things and being in lockdown and uh, there was nothing honestly there was no exercises we had not any workshop for ourselves on psychological colleagues of how we should go about stress relief and you know just talking it out sometimes helped but there was no official sessions i think you hit on something there which is obviously with burnout it isn't just the intense workload without opportunity for rest yeah. and breaks that contributes to it but there is an element of thanklessness as well where you know yeah. you start to see no benefit from what you're doing and it feels like no one's supporting you and it feels like no one's crediting you for what you're doing and so things such as you know not being properly compensated for your work or not even being supported in your work can contribute to that disillusionment part yeah. of it basically the cynicism the negativity yeah that was all there and i think this piece of paper you know it features quite heavily in your article you folded it up and you put it in your bag yeah and it stayed there for a couple months maybe yeah and was just an empty piece of paper and i was like okay i don't want to take it out because it had given me such relief mm. and i think when i was all out of feelings of burnout and it was one or two months maybe down the lines i don't know 3 4 weeks it was like a month at least and it was then i was able to take it out of the bag it seems quite symbolic of your sort of ability to leave if you wanted to but also this understanding what is the source of your issues because i guess it was visualizing that you could quit this job that made you realize okay all my stresses related to this job and it's not me it's the environment yes basically there was couple of things because we you know we were doing searches on burnout also so i had gone through all the criteria and all the articles and exactly when i took the piece of paper i realized okay that was it because before you know some relatives were saying you should quit the job you can get covid stuff like that that was like no as a doctor we take the oath and to help people and it had never crossed my mind that this oath just because i was doing it for the people doesn't mean i could do it without support and i could do it when it's taking such a toll on myself so that paper had made me realize that okay i'm not quitting it because it's getting difficult because of covid i mm. could quit it because of the other factors and i could still be able to help people 
as a doctor in different ways mm. that i was not quitting being a doctor or being you know helpful in covid it was just the environment which was being difficult i wouldn't say it's toxic because obviously i was also overwhelmed at that time everyone was overwhelmed yeah but it was just not a supportive environment it was a very very unsupportive environment and you know being psychiatrist sometimes medical doctors are thinking okay you are not doing anything anyways so that was also what we were facing and we were like exhausted because emotional exhaustion and being stressed that was the major thing with covid for us and of course then the physical exhaustion also you start off your piece by also mentioning and this is not particular to covid but that at least psychiatry residents probably all psychiatrists seem to be additionally vulnerable to burnout and to depression and probably both at once as well yes i think there are very great articles which mention why it could be so but for me personally first year the outpatients you deal with a lot in a public hospital you can deal with up to 30 outpatients and that's a lot even mm. though you are doing outpatients like two times a week but you at that time you don't know how to you know capture phenomenology and mood mm. and i feel that many psychiatry residents because they come to psychiatry because you know certain personality factors they take a lot of their work home with yeah. them especially as junior resident and i think by the time you are third year or fourth year you realize how to keep it separate and how to not let it get to you but all the pain that we see in first year it's very difficult not to take it with you i remember even in first year or second year i would just you know go to home after a particular difficult outpatient day and i would sometimes just be wearing my overall or i wouldn't even change my hospital outfit and uh, i would just sleep because 6 hours of outpatient with so many different stories with so many different you know psychological and social factors and there is not a social department social welfare department which mm. can help them and you can just give them medicine or you can refer them to therapy but there are so many other factors in psychological illness we say we follow biopsychosocial model and if you can only do biological and a bit of psychological help sometimes that's not enough yeah and that is definitely an issue that is very prevalent like you know outside of covid times this feeling of helplessness that you know mm-hmm. our patients are going through difficult lives of their own yes. and there's only so much we can do about it but yeah. you hit on this thing i just wanted to bring up that you said we take our work home yeah. with us that i think yeah. must have been more difficult during covid times right because yeah. i'm imagine that now for stress relief you compartmentalize your work you have other things in your life What was it like during lockdown yes. where you were seeing people less and you were less able to do the things you enjoy? Yeah. We couldn't go out much. I remember we were, you know, one of those people who would get groceries delivered and uh, in the peak of covid, you know, everyone would wash the groceries sometimes mm. or keep it for 3 days on 
uh, table separately and that was one of things and uh, you know like grace and at me and couple medical dramas i still haven't watched much of them after covid mm. because i couldn't work with covid and then come out to home to medical dramas who are dealing with covid mm. and you know other dramas also so i had very limited tv because obviously during the peak of covid many tv productions also they were shut down yeah and uh, we couldn't meet our friends we rarely could go outside to walk even because many of the parks were also closed the shopping malls were closed online shopping was also a thing okay maybe you can transfer it through shopping mm. and we couldn't watch many of the stuff because no new stuff was coming in and because there was lockdown everywhere it was just every day you would wake up and you would see okay who has given this guideline then first it said okay it can transfer through the particles and then it was like through air and the mask guidelines are changing and the fda has given approval to this medicine the whole entertainment was yeah you know gone i used to read books and i obviously watch tv you know stuff like that and uh, that had become difficult during peak covid yeah it's strange how that will mirror symptoms of depression as well you know how depression gives us anhedonia and whether that's yeah. depression causing that or not you are now experiencing a lack of enjoyment in life and one way or another yeah. you're now living depressive symptoms but let's focus now on the recovery process you've already mentioned that you know this blank piece of paper was something of a support mechanism for you and you mentioned that you had a yeah. very supportive colleague who helped you through the time and even sent you a box of brownies it says in the article which sounds very nice yeah. what 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 else was helpful to you the first realizing it that this was what i was going through and that was very helpful for me and then like you mentioned we had limited entertainment options but i was like okay we are teaching people how to do this and that so i started doing you know some sort of stress management because of the work away from the work we would be getting max messages all the time i made it a point to mention to my colleagues that when you work messages after like 7 or 8 pm or 9 pm i don't remember but i was like okay this is these are my work hours <laughs> and outside of them i took some entertainment the lockdown also relaxed so that was one part that i was able to go out and when that lockdown ended i went for a vacation one week with my sister and my friend and we uh, you know you realize okay there's so much more to life because in covid everyone was feeling you were stuck in your small town or your parents home or you are nesting in a nursing home everyone was just stand still for few months and for me i was stand still at the covid facility of my city which was just not yeah an ideal place so i took out time basically that was it first recognizing and then taking out time every day away from work so it's like i was enjoying things less because i was not having enough time that was also part of it mm. 
because we would be keep working and texting and emailing. Okay, this is has to do, and many of the seminars would be online in the evening after the whole workday. So I started chunking out like these are work hours. This is time for myself in which I can just focus on myself and, yeah. you know, get some entertainment or just relax and, you know, stuff like that. I think that is important. Burnout sometimes makes you feel as if all you had was your job. Mm. And if you are not getting any satisfaction from it, that is it. That is the end of your life. And it's not. Now, you say that burnout makes you feel that way, but I think for us as medics, sometimes our careers do become our lives. And once you start feeling disillusionment with your job and your job is your yeah. life, then it's sort of like, what yeah. do I have left? There's a big void yeah. left behind. Yeah. So I think, you know, you're making an important point of your job isn't your entire life. It's very hard as a junior resident to realize this. Especially, you know, as the people, even if they're in relationships or if they're married, even as then, and it shouldn't be. Mm. Because especially as a psychiatric resident, when you're a junior resident, all you cannot be surrounded by, you know, it cannot be trauma. Because mm. in work, there is just so much emotions and pain. And uh, that cannot be your life. And that shouldn't be your life. Because as psychiatrists, if you know, we just have one thing in our life and that is work. Mm. That cannot work long term. Now, you mentioned your senior colleagues. And I know in your article, you mentioned that they are also were helpful to your progress through burnout yeah. in that they started acknowledging the psychological damage that was happening in your institution, you know, in your environment. And also one of your senior consultants yeah confided that when they were feeling overburdened they had sought yeah. psychiatric help yeah and i wish they had told us sooner because you know as like sometimes you know when happens with ocd patients or as junior psychiatrist that's what i felt that i was like okay maybe i'm the one who's going mad mm. and everyone else is fine mm. and if they had told us sooner that okay we are allowed to feel this way that could have helped if I had not worked on bone. Honestly, I would not have even known that that is something which happens. And that is something I could feel. Because burnout is not taught to us. And this is something which should be taught in first and second year. In every speciality, not just psychiatry. That, you know, this is something you can go through. And seniors, I think they should make the junior residents feel aware of this that this is something that can happen and this is something that you're doing now right you're helping your junior colleagues understand how overwhelming things can be i'm hoping that i am doing it but basically yeah just telling them okay i went through with this and not just me it was you know a lot of us at that time when we talk to each other and so just telling them that first two years are overwhelming and you should take out time apart from your job for yourself and realize what you are going through because you know like we teach mindfulness to people 
Mm. but we are not aware of what we are doing and what we are feeling yeah so when it gets overwhelming just first of all you should be able to recognize that and then you can you know inform your friends or your senior and then you have to take a step back sometimes that is something which should be there and we attended a couple seminars i think last year in which uh, an american psychiatrist came and he was like that we ask uh, people to donate their time so they would ask a painter to give a group a art session to all the psychiatrist residents and i really like that and I, we were thinking in our department okay maybe we can do something like that if we can get resources because that does not take a lot but it helps people relax mm. all the music and art exercises we are teaching to other people so just asking a painter or an artist to donate their time and yes of course they should also to the patient but you know to all the psychiatric residents too that is very helpful or just designating a room in which people can go to relax or you know just be away from it so there are a lot of things which one can do yeah, yeah. and i'm glad you're getting on to now some more institutional changes that can happen because obviously i'm sure people are listening right now thinking well the onus shouldn't be on us as workers to prevent burnout the onus is on the employers yeah. right so what changes do you think could be made from a organizational perspective in the institution level and at departmental level not just the institution just recognizing and giving proper compensation at institutional level that mm. is important and fixing the duty hours is important and you know there have been protests going around the world many by doctors mm. so you know compensation and duty hours are important at institutional level but even at departmental level like i mentioned schwartz round what are schwartz rounds so i was writing this article and i was going through all the research so that is what i found out that these are just rounds in which apart from dealing with the patient you can discuss how you are emotionally dealing with managing the patients and it's a judgment free zone all the clinical and non clinical staff because sometimes some illnesses hit very close to home for us we may have a relative we may have gone through ourselves or sometimes you know the social stressors of the patient we can have counter transference or something so just telling it to the team leader mm. you know and discussing it with the colleagues especially in psychiatry but also in other rounds old method of round is okay this patient is this and you have to do do this 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 and that's it yeah but there are so much more going on at hospital level at the doctor's life at the patient's life and if you miss the social factors of the treatment for the patient and you know the doctor you are not following the holistic approach yeah and i think that's so important by the way just because obviously not just what surrounds but you also mentioned you know mentoring peer support various avenues yeah. in which we can discuss how our work is impacting upon us but that can also help us take care of the patients as well but the final aspect that i think i just want to discuss is workplace culture because 
you discuss encouraging respect and politeness. What kind of issues are present within medicine as a whole, which makes it a bit of a difficult culture to be around? I feel compared to rest of academia, even or engineering, or you know, uh, the hierarchy is too set in medicine. Maybe it's just in our Asian culture. There will be head of institution, then head of department. There will be other professors, and then registrar, and then fourth year, third year, second year, first year, and then interns. And the hierarchy is too much set. That sometimes not it happened in less in our department, but I have been seeing it around my hospital a lot. That talking to juniors politely or considering them at the same level is not being practiced. And in this times in twenty first century, we should be open to discussion. So the junior should be able to voice their concerns and ask questions. Otherwise, it's not only their mental health that's being affected, but also the patient management. Mm. So you cannot just order around. You should be able to discuss it with mm. the patient and with your juniors, and giving them confidence is the key. If you are polite to them, if you give them respect, that okay, you have also gone through that I have gone through. You can also research the guidelines. Yes, I have more experience, but you know I don't have all the experience in the world. Mm. So may there is something that you can teach me, and there is something I can teach you. So I think that's important: giving respect and giving them confidence. That is how they are going to grow. I think. Well, we're very glad that you made it through this episode of burnout, and you know, probably on a wider level, I hope that a lot of your colleagues around the world who have been through this very difficult, traumatic time are moving forward. But you say that you want to work proactively from now on before burnout sets in. To prevent it, yeah. How can someone know that they're heading towards burnout? What would the signs be? There's a lot of research available, but for me personally, I feel you go to work and you are mostly happy. You know, there are obviously a couple of things which are not making you get up in the morning, but you know, you go to work and you are like, okay, I'm making a difference, and I'm talking to my colleagues, and maybe we are going out for coffee, you know, something like that. And if you feel like you don't want to get up, and if you don't want to see your patients, and you don't want to see your colleagues, and you are like, okay, I came here, and this job is being the death of me, and I don't care. I think when you stopped caring, that is one of the first signs, and the job should not be. All part of your life. It should not cover all aspects of your life, because that is then a slippery slope. Because every job is hard, mm. and you know you go through good times and bad times. Your social support system is very important, but also your personal system of dealing with stress. You know, going out for walk, doing some exercise, doing yoga, reading through, reading a book. Watching some TV, 
Even though honestly TV is sometimes makes you relax, but it does not help in the long run. But there should be, you know, writing a diary. Honestly, that's really great. Yes. So yeah, I used to write diary. Now I write sometimes a blog or articles or you know something like that. Sometimes when it's all alone in your thoughts, you feel like it can overpower you. And when you put it out on the paper, I instantly relax. Mm. So it's just what helps you. You have to sometimes go through a number of things and find out what's best for you. And you're you know, just being aware of how you are feeling. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. And you've touched on that a number of times is that we need to be mindful of what's going on around us and how we're reacting to it and sometimes we see ourselves as soldiers and we just we just go to work <laughs> yes. and uh, battle yes. through no matter what and actually we don't pay attention to how it's affecting us yes. so that's a good note to end on i like the idea of keeping a diary and of being mindful of our own thoughts and understanding what our work is doing to us is there anything however that you wanted to add i think we covered everything but you know as a senior i have someone who has just done the residency i feel very emotionally connected to junior residents and interns and i just want them to know that there are good people and supporting seniors in nearly every department so if you are going through something just find a friend and tell them what you're going through especially work wise you know there are a lot of different cultures in different departments in different countries sometimes it can be bullying sometimes there can be harassment sometimes it can be overburdening a person who is already working so if you are going through something just find a supporting senior and tell them absolutely that's a very important note to end on well thank you mariam for joining us and for this uh, excellent article yeah thank you for talking with me and you know this is a topic which is very close to my heart and i just hope that people out there listen and do something and there you have it that's the interview thank you again to miriam oyeb for joining us and if you want to find out more about her experiences you can read her article in the bj psych international it is titled staying sane in psychiatric residency during covid times but that's all we have time for on this podcast we'll see you next time my name is sachin goodbye thank you for listening to this bj psych international podcast for the latest updates follow us on twitter at the bj psych to listen to more podcasts from the bj psych journal portfolio visit us on soundcloud or search for us online